Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Welcome to Session 1 on our series, Remember and Do Not Forget. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. In this session, we are going to talk about the importance of remembering. Do you know what the word zakar means? It actually means remember. It's the Hebrew word for remember. And that is what I really want to encourage you to do. And as we begin today, I want to give you the context for the entire five-session series we're going to be sharing together. See, the focus of our time together is going to be in Deuteronomy. But I don't want us to just jump into Deuteronomy. We need to back up and learn the context. What happened before we get to Deuteronomy, and there's so much that happened. I want to back up, though, to when I was a little girl. I remember when I was a young girl, I used to slump my shoulders like this. It's true. I've been 5'9", 5'10", since about the sixth grade, and it was no fun to be taller than all the boys all those years ago. And so I would slump over just about like this, 
I didn't want to stand up straight because then I was really taller than everybody else. But my mother saw this and she used to say, Rachel, you need to stand up straight. And so we developed a secret code word so that she wouldn't tell me to stand up straight in public, right? She would simply say, remember. Well, I want us to key off our time together. Remember. It is so important that we remember who God is and what he's already done. When we get all the way to the book of Deuteronomy, so much has happened. And it's interesting to me all that happens before we get there. So let's go back. Let's actually go all the way back to Genesis 1.1. This may be a familiar passage to you. But I want to talk for a few minutes just about the first four words of the Old Testament. The Old Testament begins in Genesis 1-1 with these words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Those are four powerful words. Four words that we often, like many others, read over. And we want to jump ahead and get on to what's going to really happen. But I'm going to suggest to you, we need to sit here for just a few minutes and just take it in. In the beginning, God. It's beautiful, isn't it? There actually was a beginning. This all that we call life and world hasn't been going on forever and ever and ever and ever. No, there was a beginning and God was there. He was there in the beginning. See, he pre-existed before time dawned. The eternal God of the universe created time as he spoke light into existence. In the beginning, God, if we can wonder, even for a moment, if God is with us in our various circumstances, we can know that he is when we know and remember that in the beginning, God. As you continue reading through the creation narrative found in Genesis chapter one and extending into chapter two with the creation of man and woman, you get the clear understanding that this God is a really big God. He's the God that spoke light into existence. It's interesting to me to consider the nothingness and the void that was before God spoke. And he created order and harmony and beauty. He created birds and beasts and animals and flying creatures and swimming creatures, each, the text says, after its own kind. You see, here in Genesis 1, we have the first miracle. We don't have to fast forward until later in Scripture It's right here in the beginning. We see clearly a God sovereign over the universe, a God with the creative power, a God who's by his word speaks life into existence. That is your God and my God. But wait, there's more. Not only did this God create all of these creatures, not only did he create man and woman and created woman in response to the fact that he realized that no suitable helper was found for man. Do you see all the way back here in the beginning? Not only does God 
create spaces and then fill them. Not only is there a clear delineated order, not only is there beauty and harmony, but you have a responsive God who responds to the need of the first man, realizing it's not good for him to be alone and creating for him a helpmate in the form of a woman. This is an amazing God. He's not a deistic God who created everything, spun it all into order and stepped back into a kind of hands-off position. No, this is a God, a very personal God who responded to the first man, Adam's real need of a companion and created Eve. But as you know, in quick order, after the creation, the serpent slithered in and whispered his lies to Eve. We won't get into that conversation just now, but I'd encourage you to go back and review what were the words of doubt that the enemy came and so uh, deceitfully whispered into Eve's ears. What was it that hooked her into considering, into doubting, into wondering if God was really all he seemed to be? I would encourage you not to be too critical of Eve, though it is easy to be so. You and I, if Eve had not fallen into sin, I know I would have. See, it is easy for us, even surrounded with the beauty of creation, to wonder and doubt God because we take our eyes off of him. After creation and the fall, then we have Sinful man descending into more and more depravity. But what does God do to this? Because here again, we see another attribute of God. We see creator, powerful. We see responsive God. And now we see a brokenhearted God that is grieved that he even made man because of the sin and depravity. And yet we see a merciful, gracious God who goes to a man named Noah, who was found righteous and invites Noah to be a part of what he's going to do to save Noah and his family. Noah's an amazing man. He responds to an outlandish invitation. God asking to build a boat. See, these are things that if you've been to church all your life, you just read over. I want you to feel it. I want you to think about it. It was a ridiculous proposition that God floated, no pun intended, to Noah, asking him to be a part of what he was going to do. And you know what? Noah said yes. And God proved himself faithful. He was with Noah through a hundred plus years of building the ark, Noah and his wife, another unnamed person in the Bible, their three sons and their wives build this ark, make all the provisions, get all the animals inside. And in all that time, in all that time, not one other person decided to come along with them, to trust them. There's plenty of room on the ark. Had other people wanted to come along with Noah and his family. And yet no one else did. See, God has eternally extended an invitation over and over and over for us to participate with him. 
And we see that right here in the beginning with Noah. So a faithful God preserves Noah and his family in the ark. And when they come out, remember this, Noah sacrifices. A sacrifice was an an indication that there was an acknowledgement on Noah's part that there was an almighty God that was worthy of praise, was worthy of blood sacrifice, a thanksgiving for God's faithfulness. And then God placed a rainbow in the sky. Another example of his creative power of being sovereign over the universe. And God said, I'm not going to do this again. I will not destroy the earth again with water. And this will be a sign to you, he said. He put the rainbow in the sky. Continuing on, we get the story of Babel. Once again, once again, this is a continuing pattern throughout the biblical narrative. Once again, man becomes arrogant and thinks that he knows better than God. And once again, God wants man wants equality with God. And we get to the Tower of Babel where God, where man has decided they're going to build a tower to God. And yet this was in clear disobedience to the mandate God had given man. God had said, be fruitful and multiply. And what? What's the rest? Fill the earth. In other words, spread out. Spread out. See, having been made in the image of God, we were supposed to spread out because when we spread out as little image bearers, we were going to spread out his glory and his goodness, his faithfulness. And yet they were in disobedience. Once again, they were not doing what God had asked them to do. And so what did he do? He scrambled their language. Are you seeing a pattern here? No matter what man tries to do, God is sovereign over it all. So he scrambled their languages such that now what did they have to do? Now they kind of had to do what he had kindly asked them to do to begin with. And so we see that man spreads out. Do you see this interaction between God and man? Again, he's not far off. He's not distant. He cares. He's engaged. He is trying to draw and woo. And over and over again, he extends an invitation. And over and over again, he finds those who are faithful. And he works through them. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Our next major character is Abraham, who we also find as one who sacrificed to God. Now, this is before the sacrificial system was instituted in the book of Leviticus. Let that sit on you for a minute. These were men who knew that this was the right thing to do, even though they'd not yet been told 
to do it. And so Abraham sacrifices and God comes to Abraham and makes a covenant with Abraham and says, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But there was a problem. Abraham didn't have a son. His wife, Sarah, had been found to be barren. They had no children. How is it possible that you're going to bless all the the people of the earth through me? I don't even have a son. I don't even have kids. And yet God, again, proved himself over all things, even fertility in this instance. At the age of 100, when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, she bore Abraham the son of promise named Isaac. That is your God, mom. The God who is over all of these things, over creation, spoke light into being flooded the earth because of disobedience and then promised with the rainbow not to do it again confused the languages of man and his arrogance thinking that he could become greater or at least equal to god and then in this instance over the biology of a woman the fertility of man and woman came at the old age of 90 i remember one time when i was telling this story to my children I don't know about you, but I really want God's word to be alive to my children. And I remember one time telling this story of Isaac, I mean, of Abraham and Sarah. And of course, as a mother myself, I had my youngest child when I was 38. And I just was like, whoa, having a child at 90, that is no small thing. And yet my kids are sitting there as I'm reading the story, kind of like, okay, I I mean, it meant nothing to them, right? I mean, they were little kids. They didn't understand the significance. And so then I said this, okay, it would be like Nani having a baby. I referred to one of their grandmothers. And then their eyes got the size of saucers, right? Right. We shouldn't read over these stories. We need to dare to sit in these and really feel the reality. These are real people who wrestled with the Almighty, who responded to his invitation who dared to believe when it didn't make sense. But still, there's there's more amazing things that God did. At the end of Genesis, we have I mean, the end of Genesis, we have the death of Joseph, and at the beginning of Exodus, we have the birth of Moses. Another leader, another answered prayer, born on time, although I believe his mother Jochebed had thought that it was not the right time. Mom, if you had been subject to oppression, you and your people for 400 years, which by the way, the oppression of God's people for 400 years had been predicted by God to Abraham earlier. Go on a treasure hunt and find it. It's there. Your people have been oppressed. They've cried out to God for a deliverer. And then you find you're pregnant. I don't know about you, but even in this day and time, it seems like a difficult time to wonder about having another child. And yet over and over and over in God's word, a multitude of times we are told that God, that children are a blessing from the hand of God. God asks us to trust him and have kids and raise kids in the fear and the admonition of him who will extend his glory as they go out into the world. And so Jochebed found herself pregnant with a child, not knowing just how special this child would be, right? And she did her dead level best to obey Pharaoh. And yet 
not. She was told, right? They were told all the Israelite boys were to be thrown into the Nile. And I find what Jochebed did to be quite interesting. So on a technicality, she obeyed Pharaoh on a technicality, right? Bible says that she wove a basket. She wove a basket, a kind of ark as it were, right? And she covered it in pitch and tar. And she placed the basket in the Nile. Do you see it? On a technicality, she placed her son in the Nile. In the basket covered with tar and pitch. And I still maintain that Jochebed ran home, fell on her face and asked for protection for that child of hers. Not having any clue what was going to happen. See? This is another part where we just read over, right? We have this beautiful picture of this little basket just bobbing down the Nile River. And oh, oh, Pharaoh's daughter finds it. Come on. Come on. This was a harrowing thing for a mother to do. This was a faith-filled action for Jacobed to do. What are you doing that is faith-filled? What are you doing? What are you doing to take God at his word? To trust him when it doesn't make Sense. Do you see the pattern here? Noah trusted when it didn't make sense. Abraham trusted when it didn't make sense. Jochebed trusted when it didn't make sense. Are you trusting when it doesn't make sense? You can do that if you can remember God's actions. And if you can, from his actions, learn about who he is, his attributes. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is faithful. So the life of Moses, 40, 40, 40, right? He's in the palace for 40 years. He's in the wilderness herding sheep for 40 years. Then he ends up coming back because God asked him to go back to the one place he didn't want to be. We've talked about this before. There are these patterns in scripture that are reoccurring over and over and over. There's something that God wants us to see. And they're not just in scripture, right? It happens in my life. I circle back around and I'm like, whoa, been here before. Been here before. And I didn't like it last time. Really? I know, I know it's happened to you, mom. And we circle back around because there's something else he wants to teach us. There's something else he wants to show us. There's something else. Another way he wants to grow us. To grow our faith. To grow our trust. To grow our rest. To build our testimony so that we can witness to his goodness. So God calls Moses and says, I I need you to go back. And if you study the first few chapters of Exodus, Moses gives five reasons why he cannot go back. Five. Me too. Me too. I'm really good at giving God excuses for why I don't or should not and not qualified to do what he's asking me to do. Do you do that, Mom? I bet you do. I bet you do. We all shudder at the things that God asks us to do. Look, if walking by faith was easy, everyone would do it. If it always made sense, we couldn't call it faith. It would just be logical. It would just be reasonable. It's faith because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense except by God. So Moses goes back reluctantly, fair enough, reluctantly, go back and read 
all of the 10 plagues that God works through Moses in order to affirm who he is. Your God, your God went back to Pharaoh, who was thought to be deity, a God himself, and just showed off. You know, there's a part of the 10 plagues that are kind of funny. Every one of them lines up with one of the Egyptian gods. God was showing, proving that he was bigger and higher and more than Pharaoh, more than the Egyptian God, that he alone was God. That's what he did. And then, and then at the very end, we have a foreshadowing event, the setup of Passover, which is fulfilled in the New Testament. Are you seeing this? God's story is one cohesive story from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation. One cohesive story. One cohesive story. And there's symbolism and there's crossover, there's foreshadowing and there's fulfillment all through this book. This is not, this is not just a storybook. This is God's story. This is the history of his story. And his ultimate invitation is proclamation of love to you and me and his invitation for us to participate. Over and over and over, God met his children as he brought them out of the land of Egypt. You'll remember he was leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they were following him. That's beautiful, right? Are we willing to follow God wherever he takes us? Wherever? They were following him. And I'm, I think it's fascinating because they followed him to the where? The edge of the Red Sea. Now pull out a map. This is not the route they had to take to go to the promised land. If there were other routes that would not have required facing the Red Sea. And you need to know that. There are times in our life where we know where we want to be and we follow God and follow God. And this is not the route we would have taken. It's not the route we would have taken, but it is the route by which God gets the most glory. That's the route he always takes us. And he gets them in a spot, right? Where in front of them is the Red Sea and behind them is Pharaoh and his army. And the only thing separating them from Pharaoh and his army is this pillar that is God's leadership. He's holding them off. And they're panicked. Have you ever been panicked? Have you ever been panicked? You're in a situation like, yeah, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I wouldn't have been here. Wouldn't have chosen this. And so, yeah, right. This isn't going to work. And then God goes, watch this. There's a song, I think it was in the 80s, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. No way. God will make a way. And that's what he does right here in this instance. He makes a way. He parts the Red Sea. And the children of Israel, probably about a million, walk through on dry land. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's your God. He goes on to provide for them manna in the desert and water from the rock. This is your God. This is their God. And now we're going to see what they do with who this God is. I want to invite you. 
some of you got the um, retreat kit that came along and there's a little notebook in there. And I want to double dog dare you write it down. Write down in there what God has done for you. How you've seen God in the miraculous, in the wonderful, in the amazing, in the only God category. Write it down. Write it down. And I want you to consider what do you want your kids to remember? What do you want them to remember about how you lived, faithfully or unfaithfully? Are you daring to go wherever he leads? Are you daring to respond to his invitation? Who are you daring to believe God to be? Write it down. Write it down. Dare to remember what he's done and who he is. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.